Hello and welcome to the Real Estate Pro Radio Show. I'm your host, Amber Arms, and we have with us today Benita Larmer from Warminster, Pennsylvania. Benita, thank you so much for coming on to the show today. Really appreciate your time. You know, I really appreciate you coming on today. I appreciate you having, uh, giving me the opportunity to talk about myself and um, get to know you a little bit as well. So thanks for that opportunity. Absolutely. And, you know, let's just hop right into it. You know, let's, let's talk about, you know, who you are as a person. You know, who's Benita, you know, the person before the real estate agent? Sure. So I'm a mom. I have two stepsons that are in their 30s and two boys of my own. They are in their early 20s. And I've been married to my current husband. Uh, we've been together for 27 years. I live in Bucks County. And um, I am involved in uh, dog rescue. I love animals. And um, I... I foster puppies, I've processed applications for rescues, done some fundraising events. I've also done some work in the past with some local people that um, provide uh, assistance, clothing, food, things like that to the indigent and the homeless. Oh, that's wonderful. How'd you get involved in pet rescue, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, (laughs) I have this need to have a dog. Or multiple, actually. I've never had one. I don't think I've ever had one dog in my entire life, uh, as an adult anyway. I, we, we did have one uh, dog growing up, but we had cats at the time. So um, since I've been on my own, I've always had a dog, um, more than one, as I said. And... Um, just with the growing need of foster and um, the evolving of the the rescue network and industry, uh, they're always looking for fosters uh, so that these dogs don't get uh, wind up in high kill shelters, which unfortunately is the norm. Yeah, it's a lot more common than people think too. It's really a tragic situation. I don't understand. You take a you take on a pet, and then you just uh, not every. I mean, some people do run into hard times, and they have no choice. But a lot of people just decide it's too much for them, or they change their mind, and there there's just not the emotional attachment that should exist. So we, uh, my particular rescue, which is Stray Network, uh, we pull pregnant mamas and uh, nursing mamas from high-kill shelters with their puppies. A lot of rescues will take the puppies and leave the mamas behind, but we don't do that. We take the mamas as well, and they all get placed. And actually, Saturday, I'll be picking up two puppies to foster for a little while. Oh, Yes, I haven't had any for uh, quite some time. And I'm um, kind of missing it. So my husband finally agreed to allow me to do it again. So we're going to have two babies here um, with our three dogs. 
um, as of Saturday. That's adorable. I'm, I'm so happy for you. It's going to be a joy to have over <laughs> the weekend. Time, this time of year, it's easier. You know, aside from the rain, uh, with the weather being so nice, you know, they can spend a lot of time outside, and we can spend a lot of time outside with them. So it's really um, it's, it's such a pleasure. Oh, yes, especially in this weather. You know, it's just it's so easy to do stuff outside. Yeah, for sure. So um, we love to travel. Um, it's a great passion of mine, seeing new things and places, experiencing culture. And uh, so we've been um, to several countries outside the U.S., uh, primarily in the Caribbean. We got married in St. Lucia, actually. Oh. Never been to Europe, which is definitely on my bucket list. We were um, we're taking a vacation next month. We were going to go to Canada, but uh, I believe there's still a mask mandate in Toronto, and we really didn't want to have to um, wear one on vacation. So we're going to do Newport and um, the Cape, um, which we loved Boston and we love New England. So I'm looking forward to that. That should be wonderful. That should be wonderful. Mm-hmm. Are you, you going to take your dogs with you, or are you going to get a dog sitter? No, my uh, my youngest son, who is turning 22 the end of this month, he resides with us, so he will be here. Thought about That's taking, good. <laughs> we did think about taking our oldest dog. His name is Moose, and um, he is just a big mush. He's very large, but he's super low key and um, just incredibly well behaved. So we did consider taking him. Um, we're tossing that idea around. Oh, that would be wonderful, especially for him to get to see, you know, in the Cape, you might even be able to get to go see the ocean out there. So. Yeah, yeah, I would love that. He for would. sure. So, you know, you, you'd like to travel, you know, you'd like to do the pet rescue. How did you get into real estate specifically? You know, when we were talking, you know, a little bit before, you mentioned that you have a lot of experience in the industry. So how did you get started? Yeah, I was a baby. Um, I was, I'm going to say I was 21. It was 1982 or 83. I had a bad experience with a broker and I had to seek litigation and um, I won and it just didn't sit right with me that those types of situations, um, you know, happened with, especially with young people that just don't know, Um, you know, a client, unless they're versed in real estate, it's not their job to know all of the nuances and the and the requirements. It's the realtor and the broker's job to make sure that they know, to educate them. And that wasn't the case with us. Um, and so I got into real estate thinking that I would just learn everything there was to learn and, and have my clients back, just really protect them, never allow any of them to be vulnerable under my watch. And I have, in 39 years, I maintained that as my, you know, my method of doing business. My clients are protected. They always understand every aspect of a transaction. Um, there is, and, and they trust me, as do all their friends and family because of that. Um, I also was, um, I did quality control auditing and lending for a mortgage company, and I have um, helped people repair 
their credit in the past. I have a lot of experience with that. I uh, went on to take some appraisal courses and served on the grievance committee for, uh, they're the folks that actually decide which ethics complaints go before uh, the board for a hearing. So we, um, we would read the, you know, the complaint and determine as a group if it was in fact an ethics violation, if it should move forward in um, the um, Board of Real Estate. That's amazing. It sounds like you got a ton of experience just in general for the industry as a whole. In 39 years, I would imagine that quite a few things have changed since then. How would you say that, you know, the industry has changed over time? Because that's not an insignificant amount of time there. You're right. Uh, it's it's changed dramatically. Um, aside from automation, you know, and technology. <laughs> when I started, we had these big blue books that were delivered to the office every week. And you would sit down with your client and go through the pages, the photos, there were photos and descriptions of properties for sale, and uh, you would, as you know, collectively as a team, decide what properties you were going to go and view with a client. And we had <laughs> our agreement of sale was seven pages uh, with a piece of carbon, black carbon paper in between. So each page was a different color, so that we knew um, who got which page, and. Um, you would just tear the carbon out and so on and so forth. Um, there were no real home inspections back then. Um, it, it was just a completely different world. I, I can't even, wow. <laughs> How yeah. <laughs> Seems so, like it was a lot simpler back then. It was a lot simpler. And, you know, there's something to be said for simplicity, but by the same token, a real estate transaction is huge. The responsibility of representing someone spending that kind of money and some somewhere they're gonna build a life really needs to be taken seriously and as simple and easy as it was back then, there were a lot of holes and um people just weren't properly protected. So over the years as things situations arose and um cases developed, we learned a lot. And as a result, the documentation and the technology is ever-changing. Oh, yeah. And it, it sounds like that just in general that um, a lot of things have changed, not necessarily for better or for worse, but just different, too. You know, I've talked to a couple different agents about technology-wise how things have changed as well. You know, we have the the software, I think you said it's Bright MLS that people it use. Is, yeah. That, um, you know, you can just go online and see all these listings and people are posting pictures of them. And, you know, I've heard sometimes where some agents will actually, you know, show a house through a virtual tour rather than, you know, an in-person one sometimes too. So, you know, things have definitely changed as well in the technological sphere as well. Yeah, there are a lot of people from out of the area buying up here. You know, COVID had such an impact in so many industries. And with regard to real estate, you know, um, people that lived in very high, um, high tax districts 
and states where real estate was incredibly expensive, as everything was. You know, with COVID, companies were forced, even if they didn't want to, to allow their employees to work remotely. And they discovered that it made so much sense in so many ways. It saved the employee a ton of money, commuting, wearing and tear on their vehicles, uh, career wardrobes, uh, daycare when they had a sick child at home, and so on. Um, and the concern of losing control over efficiency really proved to be um, overthinking. And so a lot of people, when um, COVID became less of a concern, a lot of people were uh, allowed to continue to work remotely. Thus, they didn't have to live in, say, Manhattan, hypothetically. Um, you know, they were able to maintain their existing salaries and incomes and move to a state where the schools were still very desirable, but taxes and, um, you know, housing was significantly less costly. And our area is one of those areas, um, one among many, where a lot of people from the northern part of the state um, have migrated to, even if they have to commute into the office once or twice a week, they hop on the train, it's no big deal. So, you know, um, there's been a, a, a mass exodus from those, a lot of those really, really high priced, um, you know, uh, crazy, um, uh, highly populated uh, areas to um, bucolic areas here in Pennsylvania. Uh, where they could raise a family, um, the kids could ha go to really good schools. I mean, Pennsylvania colleges alone, amazing, so many incredible universities. Um, and, and you know, just live life a little easier. Absolutely, absolutely. I've been, I've been hearing a similar story just in general, you know, people coming out of New York, people coming out of, mm -hmm. you know, Washington that are just moving a little bit more into the suburbs, you know, bigger yeah, housing, you know, have more space. If you're spending time at home all day, you know, that 1,000-square-foot apartment that was just fitting you and your dog suddenly doesn't seem quite large enough when, yeah. you know, you have other people in your life. So, right. you know, you've got you to gotta spread out and have some space because if you're spending your whole day there, it's a completely different, you know, need set than if you're, you know, spending a couple hours there in the nighttime and like an hour before you go to work. It's just a completely different need. Sure. And a lot of people were homeschooling during COVID. So imagine that, working from home, teaching your children from home um, in a very um, concentrated space. It just was not working for a lot of people. So um, here they were able to have so much more square footage and green space than a lot of the areas up north. Um, so, and, and because of the demand versus the, you know, the supply versus demand here, a lot of people were purchasing virtually, you know, uh, because they just couldn't get here fast enough and they would see something that appeared to meet all their needs and they knew they just had to jump. So, um, that's where that, what you were talking about a little while ago, um, purchasing just by a virtual tour or seeing a property, um, not physically being in it, uh, came about to be. Absolutely. 
And, you know, with us coming out of the pandemic phase and going into an endemic phase, how do you think that's going to impact the real estate industry going forward? You know, we've made all of these changes over the past year or two to accommodate, you know, doing a lot of stuff online and virtually. Do you think a lot of that's going to stick around or are we going to end up coming back towards, you know, what we're more traditionally used to before we went into this whole crazy, crazy Mm -hmm. pandemic? So I think that it's going to be somewhere in the middle. I think that a lot of the younger people like to do things uh, on a more technological basis. You know, it's just the way that they're wired, the way the uh, era that they've kind of grown in. Um, so I think they're still going to do a lot of use a lot of technology for um, you know hunting down properties and. Um, you know, getting some, getting their information and things like that. But I think that a lot of the people, you know, baby boomers and um, gener- the other generations, um, I think that they still prefer to physically walk into a property and see see how it feels. You know, um, I've always said, and, I, and I'm a baby baby boomer, so I've always said that. And I tell my clients this, don't, I know you don't want to see this one. I know, but I'm telling you, I feel like it's a good property for you. And honestly, people wind up buying something that's completely different than what they thought they were looking for because you walk in and the house just speaks to you. It it doesn't make any sense, but it's just a feeling that you get. So there are still those people that want to uh, search for homes and feel that that feeling, it's envisioning themselves living there, placing their furniture in different areas of the rooms, and and waiting for that house to speak to them. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a good way of putting it. You know, we have we've made all of these extra tools and opportunities and ways that we can do things. But honestly, going forward, I'd be surprised if it's not a blend of it. You know, it, for people that can't see a house because they're living out of state, maybe they're on the other side of the country and they can't afford to, you know, buy a plane ticket to come out to the east side. You know, maybe that's the situation and a virtual tour makes sense. But I think on some respects, it is definitely different walking through it than it is, you know, just seeing it through the pictures or even through FaceTime. You know, there's a lot of tools that people can use to make rooms look bigger or differently shaped than they are and then you walk through it it's like okay this wasn't exactly what I was expecting it to be yeah it's a challenge and and I will tell you that I have sold properties to out-of-state clients that didn't see it until settlement and it's a huge responsibility because if they don't like something (laughs) there's nothing that upsets me more (laughs) than having a client that isn't like elated, 150% thrilled with their decision. And, I mean, in those cases where I was involved in those transactions, they all worked out. But the thought in the back of my mind, chirping in my ear, telling me, what if they don't love it? (laughs) I, I, I tend to be very analytical and an overthinker. And as a result, I do overcompensate and, um, 99.9% 99.9% of my clients have come back time and time again because I am who I am. Um, but uh, it, it's always, you know, something that I think about 
in those circumstances where the client just doesn't physically see or feel the property. Oh, 100 percent. And, you know, as we're mentioning before, you know, these are big decisions for people. You know, most people, when they're buying a house, they're thinking that they're probably going to be staying in there for at least five years, probably more risk, realistically, eight to 10 with the current market and how it's set up. So, you know, that's something that they could be staying in for up to 30 or 40 years, depending on how things, you know, set up. That's a lot of time to be spending there. And it's one of the biggest investments people make. You know, knowing that the house that you're buying is safe and secure and, you know, doesn't have major issues that you're going to have to pay out tens of thousands of dollars for, it's it's a huge responsibility, especially if the client can't walk through and visibly right. see it. Right, right. Even the communities, you know, uh, they don't get a feel for the communities. So, that it's, you know, in that case, it's just all about research. There's nothing nothing that I can offer to them other than the tools to to do the research and make sure that that's a place that's going to suit their needs uh, in terms of community. So, um, yeah, it it definitely is uh, very interesting. It's definitely a challenge. uh, I I do much prefer... (laughs) With taking someone physically from property to property, letting them walk through, um, letting them, you know, feel the the vibe of the neighborhood and and that sort of thing. Absolutely, and you know, I've I've talked to a couple other agents, you know, on the on the podcast, and a common thing that comes up is, you know, that it's really hard in this market for clients to be able to you know, get an offer on a house that's actually to the finish line, you know, especially in this area, it's just been going like wildfire where some houses have 30, 40, you know, bids on that house. Do you see that, you know, continuing into the rest of 2022? Or you think that's a bit more temporary now that the rates are going up? Yeah, well, I will say that the bulk of my business is listings. I do a lot more listings than I tend to um, wind up with buyers, and it's not um, intentional. It's just typically how it works. Sometimes the, the scales are a little more balanced, but um, I am starting to see a little bit more inventory. Uh, the problem with the rates increasing is those folks that are in the, the most popular price ranges, which is under half a mil, under 450, um, you know, those folks are struggling because the asking price is a starting point, and honestly, you've got to go tens of thousands of dollars above that price, that asking price, in order to even be a competing buyer. And with the increasing rates, it is knocking a lot of people into um, you know, backing them into a corner because they just can't, even if they want to, they can't go to where they need to go to be that lucky buyer who gets the property. And on the flip side, I mean, rentals are a problem too because so many people have left the, the real estate buying market because of this, this craziness. Um, rentals are at a premium and Oftentimes, in in desirable communities, you have to wait months 
months before something comes up. So it's kind of like a paralysis, uh, so to speak, uh, for those people that just don't have an unlimited amount of cash. Uh, even strong buyers who can put hundreds of thousands of dollars down, who can waive inspections, who are flexible with their settlement dates, they're losing out to cash buyers. There are a lot of people that have a lot of cash that are buying these properties, and um, cash is king. So that's another um, challenge that a lot of people in the most popular price ranges is, uh, are, are experiencing and going up against. Yeah, and I feel like that, that really just takes a lot of people out of, you know, the running entirely. It'll be definitely interesting to see as, you know, we can build up some inventory again if the market will, you know, eventually kind of simmer down and come down from this fever pitch where everybody has been having this pent-up demand to be able to move. (laughs) Um, The the reason that inventory is such a problem is because most sellers need to sell in order to buy – so they then also become a buyer in this crazy market. Um, it's those people that can just go and buy something without having to sell their existing home first that are positioned much more favorably in a market like this. Oh, absolutely. And I feel like this is the time for people to sell. If they have a house that you know, maybe is a little bit more difficult to sell, maybe it has you know, some pre-existing issues with it, I feel like this is the time for people to really, you know, do that. It is. It is. And um, I happen to also be a certified uh, probate real estate agent, so I handle a lot of estates. And oftentimes those properties are, um, you know, they have deferred maintenance. Um, They have not been updated in uh, many years. But those properties are definitely flying off the shelves as well. Um, they're very desirable. They're opportunities for people on a tight budget. Young people, you know, are somebody who's handy. Um, and then people who are looking to, you know, contractors who can buy property like that and gut it um, relatively easily in a, a month or two and then make a nice profit. So those uh, those and distress sales, short sales and foreclosures, which there's not too too much of that going on right now, um, but I've done a lot of that over the years too. So um, those are all really good opportunities. And, yes, those properties are as um, much as people may not necessarily love them in a normal market. In this market, they're super uh, in demand, very much in demand. This episode is brought to you by WeInsure Center of Chester Springs, Pennsylvania. With access to over 200 carriers, WeInsure is ready to service all of your insurance needs for home, auto, business, life, and more. Simply call 484-207-6640. Again, that's 484-207-6640. Or visit WeInsureCenter.com. Get your free quote today. So, Absolutely. Yeah. 
And, you know, with 39 years, I feel like that you've met a lot of people, engaged with a bunch of different personalities. You know, what would you say is the most common preconception that people may have, you know, coming in with no experience working with an agent, no experience, you know, buying their first house? What's the first, you know, the most common preconception that they typically have? Hmm. Well, I mean, I find that a lot of people entering into the market today have done a lot of research before they do so. So they've learned a lot of things. Um, so misconceptions are not as common as they uh, You know, the, the one that I find the most, young people uh, thinking that they can buy a house with no money down, um, technically on paper, it's possible, but in a market like this, it's, you just can't compete. Um, buying a house without an inspection, you kind of have to in this market, and that is just such, it gives me such agita because the average person is not, you know, they see something that they like. There's eye candy. It looks pretty. The kitchen's got granite, and it's got laminate floors. Um, but they don't have enough experience on, you know, what to look for. And fortunately, I do because I have attended every home inspection over the years, whether it be for my seller or with my buyer, always. And, and there's some controversy around that as well. You know, um, knowledge is power, but it's also liability. Um, however, um, you know, I like to, if I have a buyer that thinks that they have to waive an inspection, you know, I generally will try and get them to, you know, do it, do the inspection and take a deductible that they're comfortable with. So that way they're protected at least that way. But, um, you know, going in and looking at different things and pointing things out, uh, I am not a home inspector. I'm not a, a general contractor, but I, I've learned an awful lot over the years. So, you know, that has been helpful. But uh, Oh, yeah, I definitely know what you mean there, too, with especially with the waiving inspections. You know, I understand how the market is. A lot of people have to make a decision that they don't want to make right now. You know, I, I'm fortunate that my dad actually is a property inspector in the area, so I've learned a ton from him just, from him talking about different houses that he's inspected and things that, you know, commonly people overlook. So I feel like I'm in a unique situation where I have that knowledge, same as you do, I think. But a lot of people don't have that. They don't know what to look for. They don't know what to be worried about. And there's a lot of things where it looks really innocuous and it can be a huge issue. And then there's other things. There's other things that look like that they're huge issues, and honestly, it's not that big a deal. It's just some staining on, you know, a wall. So it's really hard to say, oh, this is a problem, and oh, that's not a problem without that experience. But in today's market, I feel like a lot of people are going to end up with surprises down the line where they, you know, tried to make a purchase now, and they tried to force a purchase now, and, you know, maybe they didn't have an agent that has that experience. You know, it's definitely a concern for people down the line, for sure. Absolutely. And and going, um, you know, further elaborating on what you just said, experience. Experience is 
so critical, especially in an environment that we're currently in. You know, there are a lot of great agents out there, tremendous agents. Um, and a lot of young, new agents out there uh, as well. Um, but it's, you cannot, you know, and I had this debate with somebody. There's something to be said for experience. You know, being out in the field and years and years of different situations and circumstances and transactions that it, that just cannot be replaced. <laughs> I, I just... There, it's so critical, especially in a market where you have buyers that don't know a whole lot that are in this dog-eat-dog environment um, that have to just jump and, and give up everything, you know, that they would normally be able to opt for uh, in a more normal market. So having someone with such a background with so much experience is so helpful. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. The industry in general just runs on experience, you know, whether it's a property inspector, a real estate agent, a broker, a mortgage lender, just the entire industry as a whole. You just can't buy experience, right? That's something, it's something that you have to get over time. And, you know, I've talked to this, um, with a couple different agents that are a little bit newer, as soon as you get your license, everybody realizes that, you know, you spend all this time studying things and only 5% of it is actually things that you're going to actually use. Everything else you learn by actually doing, you know, the actual job and getting out there and meeting people. So that experience is just so hard to replace. Well, what they teach you in real estate school is, the you know the rules, the regulations, the ethics, all of those things that you do need to know. Uh, they're all really, really important. But the day to day, um, you know, going out, dealing with buyers, dealing with sellers, negotiating, um, negotiation, those skills, sales, those skills. Um, you know, there's there's just so much to learn that you can't learn sitting in a classroom, and, and I am not at all negating the, the content of what it takes to get your license, not at all, but you're right. What we do on a day-to-day -day basis is so much more, and the longer you do it, the more you're exposed to, the more problems you solve, the more scenarios you experience, and and you know, getting involved in the mortgage industry and getting involved in credit repair and taking the appraisal courses and going and joining the grievance committee, those are all additional ways for me to become the best way that I can be to serve my clients comprehensively all the way around. Absolutely. And that's, that's such a beautiful thing, too, you know, especially considering how you got started into real estate. It really feels like it's coming full circle where, you know, you had that experience where, you know, it wasn't the best one and it was your first, you know, introduction to real estate. Now you're trying to help prevent that happen to other people. Absolutely. You know, it, it definitely comes across as very genuine considering how much extra time and effort that you're putting into, you know, getting involved in all these other aspects of real estate 
that I think most agents don't even really touch on too much beyond how it impacts, you know, just getting the house under contract or listing that property. So, you know, it's a really beautiful thing. Thank you so much. And yes, it's a, it's been a mission of mine. It's a passion and, and you are absolutely correct. It, there's nothing more important to me than my clients. It, their happiness, them making the right decision. I think in the 39 years that I've been doing this, one time I had a client lose a property. Um, and I have to say, honestly, you know, they were very challenged going in and um, they had a need for a house, a large house, um, but it was not a total surprise to me that unfortunately um, they did lose their house. Uh, I wish they had come to me. I might have been able to help them, but that didn't happen. I didn't know. Um, but, you know, in 39 years, to have that happen only once, in the worst of times during that crash, um, that trickle-down situation that we had in, in 2009 through, you know, uh, the next several years when everybody was hurting, um, I, I'm pretty proud of myself, my track record with that. As you should be. That's that's a pretty clean record. I'll give you credit where credit's due. That's that's definitely a pretty good record there. And, you know, I don't think that there's any doubt whatsoever that, you know, you really go the extra mile for your clients. And, you know, if somebody did want to contact you to try and, you know, either list their property or to try and get a house in this crazy market, you know, how would be the best way to do that? Well, um, I am all over. I have a Google page. Uh, I'm in, on Facebook. Uh, my email is Benita in action at Comcast.net. That's B E N I T A I N A C T I O N at Comcast.net. Um, my office number is 215 358 1100, extension 1187. And my cell is 267 231 5575. Uh, my office is Remax Action Realty. I, I should not have neglected to mention that. Um, it's an, a wonderful office. I've been there since late in, in 2000, I think, before 2001. Many opportunities to go to other offices and no desire to do so. I love my brokers. I love my colleagues in the office. It's a tremendous environment there. So uh, it's you know, between my brokers and my experience, somebody works with me, they're going to get everything that they could possibly hope to get in, in representation. That's wonderful. And listen, Benita, thank you so much for coming on to the show today. I really appreciate your time and coming out on, you know, Wednesday Live today. And uh, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. really appreciate you coming on. Amber, it was such a pleasure to talk to you, and thank you so much for giving me this opportunity once again. I really enjoyed it, and um, I, I am very thankful for you Absolutely. for giving me the time. Thank you so much. Okay, dear. Enjoy your week. You too. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.